What he has is pure empathy. He can assume your point of view, or mine, and maybe some other points of view that scare him. We all feel better in the dark. We all feel better in the dark. We all feel better in the dark. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly rolling, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. baby. License to ill flow. H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Wasn't no big thing, no one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, what the hell, let's continue the pace. No stone uncovered, they will take on a topic. Might bring on a guest, and together they rock it. Cause they're in like Flint, too much is a cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school. I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down, it's set. So in the tub, in the car, if you're chilling in the park. Welcome to another show of better in the dark. Ellis did it last year. I found it in Jerry's office. Wait, what does that mean? It means that uh, Jerry was paying Ellis for information so he could shut down the show and take it over himself. Mission accomplished. Oh, my God. I want to do so much more. I'm going to make my dad proud, Marshall Mathers. I want to make love to that audience. Okay. (sighs) That warrants a how the hell did it... I don't know. And until we get back in touch with you. Go watch that movie. Right, Devin? Go watch that movie. Now, for those of you who have been watching TV, and I'm pretty sure that's 99% of you out there, those first three notes that Tom so very accurately did. Thank you. And a perfect pitch. Is a signature three-note theme for NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. One of the original broadcasting companies in the country. Yeah. When growing up back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, like Tom and I did, there was only three networks. It was ABC, CBS, and NBC, and that was it. And then there was Channel 5. They were local networks. But really, primarily, that was it. It was the big three. Your television... Watching here in New York was the three broadcast networks. The ABC, big three. The NBC, big three. CBS. You had PBS. Right, Channel 13. Which was this weird alternate universe television where there was no commercials and everybody talked in funny accents. Mm-hmm. And then you had a number of independent stations. WNYW. Right. Channel, Channel 5. five. WWOR, Odyssey Caucus, New Jersey. Channel 9. WPIX, 42nd Street and 2nd Avenue. Channel 11. Also, you had a number of weird UHF channels, like Channel 55. 47. 47, which was Univision. Right. Telemundo. Telemundo, yeah. Even back when we were kids in college and high school, 
there was Spanish language programming, at least here in New York, if not around the country. Where you could watch your novellas. Hmm. Women's with the very big breastuses. Well, and you know the funny thing is, I watched them things when I was a kid because I had a thing for Latin women. Matter of fact, my first girlfriend when I was 14 years old, yeah. she was Hispanic. You watch them and after a while, you can understand what they're saying. Well, I told you, the show that for me that I watched was, I think it was Telemundo. MTV had a block all Saturday afternoon of Spanish language music videos that they showed on Telemundo. And it was hosted by Daisy Fuentes. And I love Daisy Fuentes. And I tell people, because you know the yeah. big thing, people going crazy over Sofia Vergara. Sophia from, Vergara. Yeah, from Modern Family and Salma Hayek. I right. said, okay, you think they're hot? You should have watched some of the novellas I was yeah. watching back in the 60s and 70s. Yes. Believe it or not, there were women on there that yeah. made them look like boys. The thing that's kind of... <laughs> Fascinating to me is that Sofia Vergara is, to all intents and purposes, a telenovela star who has made it big here in the United States. Yeah. Because she is, in the way she moves and the way she presents herself, she is the spinning image of those telenovela heroines. But I tell people, that's what she's doing on Modern Family. She's doing one of those novella characters. When they talk, but why does she have to talk in that accent? That's very stereotypical. I said, but you don't get what she's doing. She's very smart. Can I just say, I guess I didn't see this episode during first, where they rerun the episode with the christening that ended in that weird Godfather takeoff. But I loved seeing Elizabeth Pena again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. One of the forgotten hotties. Played Sofia Vergara's yeah. mother on the show. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. yes. Good choice. Again, we digress. Although it, it's very fitting we were talking about Spanish television. Yes, it is. Because for the first time in the history of television, a major network has slid back to fifth place, and the fourth place has been replaced by a Spanish-language network. Apparently what has happened, and this is what this whole Better yeah. in the Dark Autopsy episode is about, and for the first time, we're actually glad we're autopsy. We're going to cut this fat bastard right. up. But trust me, because you know why? This network deserves it, quite yeah. frankly. They brought it on themselves. Yeah. And, of course, we're talking about that recently in the last couple of weeks. It was put all the, the February sweeps. It was results a, came out. It was all over everywhere that NBC was in dead last and had been beaten by Telemundo Univision. And you want to talk about dead last. <laughs> they are behind dead last. Right. Put it that way. The only network they can now look down upon is the CW. And considering the state of the CW, except for Arrow, that's really nothing to brag about. Caucasian wankery network. Is yeah. Like to it here in the dark. But I gotta admit, Arrow is good. I only wish it was on a better network, but hey, it shows hope. And of course, now you know that they want to do a Wonder Woman series now called Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, uh, and of course you know what it's about. It's about Wonder Woman before she became, became Wonder, Wonder Woman. Yeah. So what's next then? Ringslinger? Yeah. Hal Jordan before he became Green Lantern. Little yeah. guy. The Adam before he became. Yeah, really. Wing guy. They're obsessed with these things. But anyway, so we are going to be cutting up NBC, a network that Tom and I sometimes love, often more often hate. But as you so accurately put it, they have brought this on, on themselves. themselves. The thing to keep in mind is... There wasn't too long ago when NBC was considered a really big deal. Back in the 80s, NBC was the king of Oh, they ruled the roost, yeah. Because 
they specialized in a certain kind of comedy that people watched in droves. Right. They had must-see TV on Thursday night. They had Seinfeld. They had Mad About You. They had Cheers. Oh, my God. They were the comedy powerhouse. Frasier, yeah. Friends. What else? Will and Grace. Will and Grace. They had all of these sitcoms. They owned sitcoms for a while. Right. Frankly, they just had sitcoms. If there was any sitcom that was on worth watching, bam, it was on NBC. And it goes as far back as the very early 80s with the Cosby Show. Back can digress for a minute. Yeah. It seems like... And we have it, not it, even mentioned it seems like the it, single most popular show NBC produced. What's that? A show that was a phenomenon. Oh, Seinfeld. Yes. Seinfeld, yeah. I think it's just funny now that it seems to me like ABC has stepped up to the plate yeah. and they've snatched the sitcom crown from, from a- NBC. NBC. Yeah. Why did CBS come to mind? Because CBS right now is the king of the roost and I tell you why they're the king of the roost. Yeah, go ahead. Because they discovered quite some time ago that the best way to become the king of the roost in the broadcast television market is to appeal to the flyover states. Yeah. Not play to the people here on the East Coast and the West Coast. The West Coast, yeah. Because that's what NBC was kind of known for. Mm -hmm. Were these very urban, very kind of savvy upper... Hip hip New York. Upper upper middle class. Upper middle class. Class of comedies, right. To the point where they used to get a lot of complaints about where are the black people. Right, like mad about you. Yeah, but Aisha Tyler who likes to boast that she was the black person who broke the friends barrier. That honestly didn't bother me. People yeah. said, oh, that doesn't bother you, there's no black people in Friends? No, because first of all, I didn't watch Friends, right. so I didn't care. And second of all, these people just didn't hang out with black people. What do you right. want? Believe it or not, there are some white people that don't hang out with black people. Not because they don't like them. Right. They just don't hang out with them. Right. There's a lot of white people I don't hang out with. It's not because I don't yeah. like white people. I'm sorry, but no, no, but I know it. An archaeologist, a television executive, and a soap star tend not to run in the same circles. Never really bothered me that there were no black people. I didn't watch the show. I watched it occasionally. I never watched. I watched it occasionally. And of course, when Aisha Tyler was on, right? There, of course, I was a faithful Seinfeld watcher. And actually, Seinfeld had the guts to address that issue in one memorable show yeah. where George was looking for a black friend to hang out with. But that never bothered me. Right. The other thing we should probably mention is that NBC was kind of novel in that they created an entire universe because you had these characters interacting with each other across their shows. Well, they weren't actually the first network to do that, remember. Well, they were like one-offs, like the Barnaby Jones canon thing. No, even before that. Remember back in the day when they had those TV shows like Hawaiian Eye and 77 Sunset Strip? Those crossed over. Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies, those were all set in the same universe. Mayberry, RFD, Andy Griffith Show, those were set in the same universe. But I know what you're talking about because this was the first time that it was really so interconnected. I remember that they said in one episode in Mad About You that... The Paul Reiser character who before he got married. in old apartment. Right. No, he lived in Jerry's old oh, apartment. Oh, okay. So he's been subletting it to Jerry. Right. So, yeah. And he was subletting it to Jerry. It came out. That's right. Because the episode, it ends with them leaving and there was an appearance by Michael Richards. Mm-hmm. And it ends with Ira asking, so whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. One of the biggest connectors happened totally by accident. Lisa Kudrow went out for Friends. Figured it wasn't going to get picked up. Got a job. I'm mad about you. Has Ursula. Yeah. And wound up in the unusual position of having to play her own twin sister her on own another twin sister show. On both, so she continued on with both shows, and it became part of the mythology that Phoebe had this weird twin sister who was this waiter at another 
restaurant mm-hmm. somewhere. I can even beat that. Seinfeld had a crossover with another network in that they did a two-parter oh, yeah. where Kramer mm-hmm. went to Hollywood to try to get work as an actor, and he wound up on Murphy Brown, which was right. on CBS. That's right, because he was one of the yeah. endless receptionists. Right, and they had him appeared on an episode of Murphy Brown. Because there was a CBS sitcom there was an episode that revolved around the idea that the main character was offered the chance to write an episode of Steinfeld and it had a scene from the episode but yeah but it was a weird heady time but what we're trying to say by doing all of this is how big NBC at one time and how it even influenced how in, a, in a way innovative influ- and, and adventurous they were yeah and they influenced other networks yeah. as far as the style of comedy because I think it's fair enough to say that now most sitcoms follow the Friends mm-hmm. or the Seinfeld style right. of comedy. And of course, when they had The Office and The Office hit big, then you had your Office right. style of comedy, right. which Modern Family, ta- yeah, it takes that. far too many. Although I, I'm so relieved that Levitan and Move said, oh, we're never revealing who they're talking to. I kind of like that too, because they said on The Office that yeah. finally, well, I mean did. like that last episode, they well, said... Well, they finally did. They did oh, it they already. Did. They showed the people behind the camera. Okay. You know what I always thought that the final episode yeah. should have been? What? We should have finally seen the yes. final finished documentary. I would have been really good. The Hollywood Prospectus. I think it was Dave Jacoby pointed out that this is one expensive documentary at this point. Yeah. They've shot so much footage. This has got to be the longest documentary yes. in history. It's like that famous one that they did way back in the 60s, that avant-garde one. with 24 hours of Jesse the Empire State okay, Building. Yeah. That was Warhol film. That was Andy, yeah. And the other one, Sleep. Which was just a guy sleeping. A guy sleeping, yeah. Oh my goodness. And also, there was stuff that, let's be honest, also, that um, NBC kind of influenced how CBS approached drama. Right. With their law and order. Law and order. Started spinning off other branches. You had SVU, then you had... Yeah, law and uh, order, then you criminal had... Criminal intent. The criminal intent. Uh, and the one that people forget, which was crime and punishment. Yeah. People forget about that, that one. La- well, that lasted... Well, like that, a season. That, that, yeah, if that. But that was the first official law and order spinoff. There were six law and orders, yeah. weren't there? Yeah. At one point, there was on NBC four of them, Law and Order, Prime, SVU, Criminal Intent, and the one with B.B. Newworth, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. was B.B. Newworth, Jerry Orbach was supposed to be her investigator. Jerry Orbach, right, yeah. He passed away, yeah. I think Um, he did three episodes, and then he passed away. Then that was canceled. They brought in Law and Order Los Angeles, and they had a, because there was the whole homicide. You know what that really was? What? That was just dragging it. Law and Order LA. But my point being is that you had connection with Homicide Life on the Streets where you had oh, yeah. the crossovers going on there and that also bled out into right. you had the one season show Medical Investigations had a crossover with another one season show about like Animal Control Agent. And I know what you're talking about but those were a lot of fun. Yeah. As a matter of fact the Homicide Law and Order crossovers know what that reminded me a lot of? The Justice League. Yeah really. Yeah, Justice yeah, yeah. It was yeah. once a year wasn't yeah, it? Right. They did it once a year faithfully. Right. Every February sweeps they did the one night event on must-see TV. There was a big overriding thing like the blackout. That's the one I remember. Right, they did the blackout. And so you had, in Mad About You, Helen Hunt accidentally causes the blackout. Right. And then you go to Friends and you see that 
Chandler is trapped with a supermodel mm-hmm. during the blackout. During the blackout, and yeah. And everybody is affected by the blackout in some way. And you had that happen once every February. And they did it also on their Saturday night block of comedies, yeah, which with was Golden Nest Girl and Empty Nest. Right. right. It, was it was like that. a hurricane, right? The one year they did a hurricane, and another year I think they yeah. did a blackout. And of course, even reaching back even further, we can go to where NBC had probably two of the most influential top lease programs of all yeah. time, Miami Vice and Hill Street and Blues. Hill Street Blues. Shows that completely changed the face of how police shows were and done. They were really doing their best to try to open They had up. stayed elsewhere. Yeah. And I want to also point out, they were really trying to do innovative things with programming. Saturday, which is always considered a dead zone, they really tried to do some different things, like the, the Saturday Trilogy, if you remember. I remember. Where you yeah. had the Pretender profiler, and I forget what the third show was. Well, you were a big fan I was a of big profiler oh, fan. Oh, but yeah, you love profiler. Well, partially because I loved Allie Walker. I mm-hmm. thought Allie Walker was hella hot, and mm-hmm. when she eventually got sick of it and decided to retire, mm-hmm. they replaced her with Jamie Lunar, who right. was uh, alumni of Melrose Place. And, and one of the so. few times that Robert Dothy got to play a good guy. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Now, okay, you want to talk about countercasting. Yeah. There you go right there. Even after Must See TV started fading, and it faded pretty rapidly, after Friends, which is the last of the major block, disappeared, they tried to build around the office. So that's why we got Community and we got Parks and Recreation, similar shows that kind of fed into this. But they still were trying to do some creative things as much as we deride it. Heroes was a big thing. Yeah. For about the space of a season. For about the space of a season. Well, you know what? I'm going to give it two. I say those first two seasons were okay, and I'm not going to yeah. lie, because I watched it, I enjoyed it, but man, did that go from sugar to shit so fast. We did a whole episode yeah. about it, folks. It was frightening how yeah. bad that show declined. And when you look back at that first season and imagine what it could have been. Yeah, it's really, really sad. And they also were trying other interesting things like Journeyman. Right. Which, I really which you were a big I really fan enjoyed. of, yeah. And most recently, Awake. Yeah, Awake. Which was fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And to their credit, they gave it a full 13-week commitment. Well, they, didn't they give Journeyman a whole season to they, it? Yeah, but remember, that was during the year where they had the writer's strike. Right, so, yeah. But the thing was, is that in both cases, the executives gave them a heads up. With plenty of weeks before the end of the season, they said, you're not coming back. So they gave the creators a chance to maybe not tell the story they wanted to tell, but tell a complete story. Now, let me ask you a question. And this is where the cutting is going to start, folks. Writer Strike Notwithstanding, why they would not pursue such interesting, imaginative programming such as Journeyman and Awake. But they will not let go of crap like Revolution, which they are apparently holding on to with a death grip. I think Revolution is the first thing that comes to mind when we're talking about what eventually happened, which was about two years ago, the NBC executives decided because they were having falling ratings. See, that's yeah. why I brought in Revolution. See, and I'm leading you into came this. Up with the idea <laughs> that they needed to, and I think this is almost a direct quote, mm-hmm. dumb down the network. Really? So, for Who example, said that? one of the executives, so for example, they fired the community creator yeah. and showrunner. Because NBC had, a, as a partial, universal NBC has a ownership of community, they wanted it to get to the, the magic number of 100 episodes. Of 100, yeah. But they didn't want the quirkiness of that show. So they fired the showrunner right. and creator 
and brought in a new guy. Mm-hmm. And we all know what usually happens when you bring in a new guy for your show creator. I've not followed Community. Have you been following? I've been following Community, and I can tell the difference. Well, we yeah. went into that, and I was yeah. saying when we did the episode where we were talking about Community, when that guy left, that last show of that season, to me, as far as I'm concerned, that is the series finale. Because it played like a series finale. It Felt like a series finale. This one, I'm looking at it as much like we have 0.5 yeah. episodes. This is Community 0.5. Oh, another thing we should point out about how, at one point, NBC was very innovative. There were shows that were on the bubble, that were not getting great ratings, but there was a loyal fan base. Instead of canceling them outright, NBC went, reached out and found other ways to partially finance the shows. So they could go on. Such as? Example. Friday Night Lights. Okay, yeah. Friday Night Lights had a big cult following, but yeah. it wasn't getting overall great ratings. Right. So what NBC did was it reached out to a pay cable network yeah. to yeah. go halvesies with it. The episodes would broadcast first on the pay cable network. Mm-hmm. I think it was DirecTV. It would. I was about to say it would because DirecTV has their own channel. Right. Now it's called the Audition right. Channel. And that's what they did. And they broadcast Friday Night Lights on there. Another example was Chuck, a show that I was very fond no, of. Yeah, it's another Chuck, show that you love. Very bad ratings. Always on the bubble, though. Always on the bubble. So what did they do? They reached out to a couple of commercial partners, mm-hmm. primarily Subway. Subway partially financed the show in exchange for what amounted to They did the same thing on Community where it was an actual ongoing plot mm-hmm. that one of the characters, Shirley, wanted to open up a Subway right. stand of her own in the college and had to fight Subway because Subway yeah. wanted to open right. up their own Subway. So. And for about two years, if you walked into a Subway restaurant, there were posters. Watch Chuck on NBC. If you manage to do something creative like that, yeah. I really don't mind a product, but when you do something like you're going to make it part of yeah. the plot, it's not just a blatant go buy Subway. Give you an example from Chuck. There was an episode where there was a rivalry going on between the main characters and another group that had come in to kind of help manage the buy more. The show's thinly disguised Best, uh, Best buy. buy. So to strategize, Big Mike, who is the boss of mm-hmm. the store, brings people to Subway, and he has this whole speech about, we're going to negotiate, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to break bread here with this Subway sandwich and just <laughs> making the Subway sandwich kind of like focus of the scene for right, a yeah. minutes. And they got to 100 episodes. They got a full five seasons because NBC was willing to think outside the box. Which is what they wanted to do. Because as we always beat into your yeah. head, a TV show actually does not make its money back until right. syndication. Right. So every TV show has the goal, make 100 episodes. Once you make 100 episodes, you go into syndication. Crazy. And see, that's why you see a lot of TV actors, they bust their ass for five or seven years working on a TV show, and then you right. don't see them for the next five, ten years, because they're sitting back collecting that right. money. Especially now, because it's more lucrative than ever. Because Especially now you've got net- contracts restructured, which now includes You've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, You've got DVDs, you've got Blu-rays. Well, here's another sign before the apocalypse of NBC thinking creatively out of the box. My once-beloved Smash. Okay. Smash had abysmal broadcast ratings. However, NBC executives noticed that as bad as the show was doing broadcast, it was doing amazingly has a download after the fact. People were downloading it off of Hulu and other pay sites. Mm -hmm. So... 
based on that revenue, they decided to continue. And also the fact that there was a lot of synergy that they were putting out soundtrack albums. Right. This year, Megan Hilty, who is the big breakout star of Smash, she's doing a solo album. They're doing all this synergy. This past week, they broadcast an episode. We'll get to what happened to Smash in a few minutes. In a minute. Trust me, folks. He's dying to get to this. During one of the commercial breaks, it was a commercial for Ford, right? Mm-hmm. They incorporated one of the signature songs from the show. Oh. So it's almost like it well see, this is, well, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, when yeah. you do something like that, I admire your creativity of doing that. As much as I hated those scenes of the Subway sandwiches all the time, I was willing to put up with it because it got me a complete story with Chuck. Mm-hmm. We got a five-year story arc, which ended with a happy ending for everybody involved. Yeah. Except for the bad guys. The bad guys are going to kill themselves. Well, that's why they're bad. Who that, told no, them? They're bad guys. Who told them to go be bad guys? Exactly. <laughs> Instead of what is going on a lot of times, what a lot of broadcast television watchers express as a problem, which is they don't want to get involved with the show because the show is going to go away prematurely. Well, see, me as a viewer, that's why there's a lot of programs. And people ask me all the time, well, Derek, I know you're watching this. I know you're watching Well, no, I'm not watching it. Well, why aren't you watching it? Because I don't want to invest my time in watching something that's going to get cut after right. three or four episodes. That's three or four hours out of my well, life well, look at, okay. when I could have been watching something else. Well, so that's why I wait. And right. now what I do, which really isn't such a good thing, but that's just me, right. folks. I wait until after the show has had one season. Yeah. And then it comes on Netflix. And then I'll sit and watch the whole first season. Then I'll catch up right. on the show and I'll start watching it. I'm very leery of watching anything new that starts on Fox. NBC, I'm very leery. Oddly enough, the one thing on Fox that you can watch in confidence that there's going to be a second season is arguably the dumbest thing ever come out of Fox in What's a that? long time. The What's following. Oh, God, yes. I'm going to say something that will shock people. We are going to do a whole autopsy on the following. Can we? Oh, man. It doesn't deserve an autopsy. It deserves the guillotine (laughs) while it's still alive. I can't wait. Oh, man. In fact, we should probably not do Alan Rudolph. Let's do the following autopsy right after Yeah, right after. Yeah, man. I've got so much to say about (laughs) this. Yeah, you guys got a treat. We were going to do Alan Rudolph. But we're still going to do Alan Rudolph. We're going to do. We're just not going to do it today. We're going to do another autopsy on the following. But just let me say, for those of you who are watching it and you love it and you enjoy it, don't listen to that episode. Yes, you will get very, very angry. <laughs> so, we've established that NBC used to do some really interesting things. Yes. Yes. However, two years ago, I don't know if there was a regime change or not, but the executives, whoever they were, decided mm-hmm. that the reason NBC was experiencing declining ratings was because it was too intellectual. Mm. This is the year that we got such charming, fair hats. Heaven forbid we have people who are actually smart Art, watching yeah. our shows. That's the year that we got such wonderful things as The Whitney Show. Oh, God. What was the name of the show about the guys with the babies? I can't remember. I don't know. I, I know what remember. you're talking about. Anthony yeah. Anderson. Right. Anthony who, Anderson. Who I usually enjoy. Yeah. I, I watched the first episode and I said, no, nah, I can't watch this. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I watched Whitney the first season strictly because I was turned on by her porn star looks. But that kind of wears off after a while when the show is so brain dead. Oh, and what did they pair that with? They paired that with Chelsea Handler's show. Of all things. Oh, God. I think I've said that before in an episode. I would love to get into my little cultural targets Mm -hmm. and go back to the moment where the TV executives had to break it to Chelsea Handler. She couldn't play Chelsea Handler. Yeah. 
But I am Chelsea Handler. Well, yeah, but you can't play yourself because you're old and scagged out. You're old and scagged out. You have no talent, and your humor is solely based on the fact of how drunk you can get, how many drugs you can take, and how many guys you can bang in one night. I feel so sorry for Laura Prepon. Laura Prepon, yeah, who is extraordinarily talented, and she had to play in this dreck. It was a completely awful show. No redeeming quality whatsoever. And then, of course, let's talk about something else that left a very bad smell in people's noses as far as NBC is concerned. The whole Jay Leno debacle. Oh. With the Tonight Show. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't know we were bringing this up. The top of his head just exploded for whole Sunday. day. I never saw Tom get this red. Take a drink of water, Tom. <laughs> but really, and this is not a word I use lightly, but you want to talk about a clusterfuck? That was it. There was a lot of comedians yeah. who were little friends and fans. They turned their backs on him behind that crap. Yeah. And they turned their backs on NBC. They said, no, this is wrong. It's just plain out and out wrong. And I think it's just an example of the mismanagement that is going and on at NBC is, that allowed shows like Chelsea Handler yeah. and Whitney. The thing is, is that NBC, that's probably where things started going downhill. Fact, well, this is what I... An entire season of theirs. Yeah. Because they were afraid to let Jay Leno go to another network. Well, this is what I'm pointing out. We can probably say, when we talk about the decline of NBC... I believe that that's where it started at. They wrecked an entire... Because remember, yeah. they had that bullshit show that they had yeah. a game... Should they, we briefly sketch out what happened? Take it away, my boy. Okay. Long time ago, there, long, was, there was a guy... Long, long, long time, time ago, ago, I can still remember, remember when Jay Leno was on the Used to make show. me smile. He'd already kicked Letterman's ass. But now on Los Angeles stages, he pranced. Now, if there's somebody who really should hang it up, it is David Letterman. Yeah. Yeah, he should have hang, hung but, up ten years ago. You interrupt. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it was time for him to go. He got a flow, folks. So he went to the executives and told them, Hither, I will retire in two years' time. And the executives went to Conan. Hey, here's your show now. It's... I got nothing. But I tried. But. But. And this is the second time, if you remember, Jay Leno said, I'm going to retire. This is the second time he pulled a bullshit chicken shit move. You know what? Let's give it a name. That whole thing, what Jay Leno did was chicken shit. He did not live up to his word as a man. He gave his word. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then he turned around like a little pouty bitch and said, no, now I don't want to do it. So what? And I'm surprised nobody has written, because one of the great books ever written about the television business is The Late Show, which was yeah. about the retirement of Johnny Carson and yeah. the wars that went on between oh, Dave yeah. Letterman and Jay Leno. Yeah. And those yeah. two were friends at one yeah, point. They, yeah, they were boys. And they won't talk to each other. They were boys. And so Jay Leno says to NBC, I am going to retire in two years' time. The only reason Conan O'Brien was on The Late... The only reason he stayed, he had contract. a handshake and a contract. Yeah. He was going to take over the Tonight Show. Show. NBC says, Conan... Get ready. And they were willing to shell out the money because they paid him a whole truckload of money to stay because it was established he was being groomed to take over. Right. Conan relocates. He spends money on a house. He spends money to relocate his staff. Takes his kids out of school. Everything is ready. And then Jay Leno goes, "Mm, I don't want to retire anymore. (laughs) That's good. And NBC says, 
But Jay, yeah. we've already invested all this money on moving Conan, and he's got to have, oh, if you don't want me, I could go to ABC. And then fuck with Jimmy Kimmel, I guess. NBC was so afraid of him going to ABC that they gave him an entire hour of their prime time, time. schedule. Valuable prime time Ten. schedule. To 11. Because remember, that leads right into the news, and they don't right. want people switching to another channel. Exactly. Conan goes, takes over the Tonight Show. Jay decides, mm, this isn't working out for me. I want my old slot back. Can I have my old slot back? But, but, Jay, we, we got the Tonight Show on there. Yeah. And Conan was doing okay. But, uh, I could go to ABC. So, they tried to convince Conan to move the Tonight Show from 11.35 to 12.05, so that Jay could have a half an hour after the news. Yeah. To which Conan said, quite sensibly, I thought, well, if you move the Tonight Show to 12.05, it's not the Tonight Show anymore, is it? You know what Conan said, and you know what I appreciate him for, and what I love him for? Finally, he said, somebody around here has got to be a man has some balls. Fuck you, I'm going to walk. And he went to TBS. Right. Who gave him a sweet deal. Well, he had to spend a year where he could not be on television. But that was all right, folks. You got to remember something. The expense for the moving, and that was on NBC's dime. Right. That didn't come out of his pocket. So he was still... Him and director and all yeah, the Yeah, they were getting paid. So he went on tour for a year. Yeah, he went on tour. And when Get- all was said and done, Jay got the Tonight Show back. And now apparently he's fucking with Jimmy Fallon. He's like, mm, I'm going to retire again. Jimmy's being smart, though. It's like, well, if I'm taking over the Tonight Show, it's coming back to New York. And this is why I think that this is serious. Yeah. Because NBC is building the set for Jimmy Fallon in New York. Jimmy Fallon is smart because he said, the same shit that happened to Conan ain't going to happen to me. He has a hit show. They need him more than he right. needs. Especially him. now. Yeah, but, especially now. But yeah. here's why I think that this whole year with Jay Leno at 10 o'clock killed NBC. And that's where I think it started. Yeah, it kind of left a bad taste in the mouth of all the producers who were looking for spots for their shows. Right. It totally alienated NBC with their affiliates. Because there was a big thing. A lot of the affiliates did not yeah. want to run the, the Jay Leno show. That leads right into the yeah. news. And a lot of them, that hour yeah. was for their local... Especially when you consider... How vitriolic it got. I remember the only time I ever watched the Jay Leno show was when Jimmy Kimmel came on. Because Kimmel was incredibly outspoken in support of Conan. Only time I've ever stood up and said, Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel he's alright with Kimmel, me. Yeah, Craig Ferguson. Yeah, Craig Lederman, Ferguson. Yeah, This is what I'm saying. They yeah. were all 100% behind Conan. I mean, but then again, the thing was, Letterman and Conan had a very long relationship since Letterman handpicked Conan to take over his show, The Late Show. Right. So... There was the time where Jay decided he was going to be funny and he was going to invite Jimmy Kimmel on to 10 question statement. And Kimmel just tore into him. Oh, okay. Well, Jay, I thought I would kind of have a show for another 10 years, decide to retire, give it to another guy, and then take it back. And then take it back, yeah. And the thing is, I think it just threw off the rhythm because I think it was by February the Jay Leno show was gone. All of a sudden, NBC had to scramble to get programming for there, which meant, I think, some shows that needed to be cooked a little bit more got put on the air earlier. We got more reality TV from them. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Yeah. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, if I was a producer and I was coming to NBC, 
I'd be leery about if I'm gonna work for somebody, I wanna work for somebody who's got some ball. And if you're gonna let somebody just jerk you around like that, I don't care who it is. Okay, Jay Leno's supposed to be this big name. Fine, all well and good. But still, you're NBC. You are paying him. If he does not like what you want to do, let Jay Leno still making thirty million dollars yeah. a year doing stand up in Las Vegas. Well, let him okay. go. Let him go do that. Adam Carolla, one of the few people I know who actually supports Jay, actually says Jay is a nice guy. I like Jay. He says Jay Leno is a workaholic. Mm -hmm. He can't not work. So when he's done doing the Tonight Show. He gets on a plane and goes to Vegas or goes to another place and does stand-up for a day. I understand that, but you go ahead, you honor the contract that you made in good faith. Right. And that you put your name on. And you go to other networks. It's not like there's only big three anymore. You can go someplace yes. else and develop a sketch comedy show. You can do a Saturday Night Live on FX. You can do movies. Exactly. There's other things. You don't have to screw this other man's career because of your ego, which to me, that's all it came down to. Ego. Well, I'm Jay Leno. I want to get in my yeah. way, and that's it. Could you you can always go someplace and do something else. To play devil's advocate a little bit, I do wonder if Conan's more sketch-oriented comedy kind of scared Tonight Show watchers mm, probably a little so. bit. Yeah, I'll go along with that. They yeah. were used to stand-up comedians. They would have two guests. He'd goof off. He'd do the little thing with the stupid headlines. And then he'd have like a musical act at the end. You're right, because the Tonight Show has a formula yeah. that you don't screw it. And let's face it, it is what it is. That's why, matter of fact, the other day on the Better in the Dark Facebook page, I was talking right. about certain TV institutions that are never going to go away. And we were talking about the nighttime talk show. I don't think that's ever going to go away. It's a TV institution. Well, look at how we keep coming back to Jimmy Kimmel. We have our we have our senior yeah. Hall. He's, He's coming back. back. Queen Latifah. They just announced today that right. she's getting her own nighttime talk show. Look so it's not going away. Jimmy Kimmel, they've actually moved Kimmel into the yeah, slot yeah. because he's been so successful. Exactly. Jimmy Fallon. Do we really need to talk about the success of Jimmy Fallon's show? Jimmy so, Fallon, who I cannot stand usually, and yet I think he's found his place in the world. I didn't like Jimmy Fallon as an actor, yeah. but as Jimmy Fallon, the talk show host, he's found his niche. Yeah, I love some of the innovative stuff he's done. He's had musical guests come in and play their hits on children's instruments. Yeah. To me, when the guy, and see, I don't watch late night talk. The only late night talk show host that I follow on a regular yeah. basis is naturally Craig Ferguson, right. who I believe somewhere in there, one of his ancestors <laughs> must have owned my yeah. ancestor. But when I found out that Jimmy Fallon got the roots as his house yeah. band, that gave him legitimacy right then and there in my eyes. And I watched, he does some pretty innovative, funny yeah. things. Who knew Justin Timberlake was so hilarious? The history of rap things that he yeah. does Timberlake. Who else has the president come on yeah. and do the whole Barry White thing where he talk about the news and the roots yeah. are playing that back? <laughs> it is good late night talk show. And it's not the Tonight Show. Right. It is for a hip young crowd to make them watch young now, I'm sorry about Jimmy Kimmel. I don't get him. I don't understand him. I don't think he's funny. I don't like him. I don't get him either. He screwed Sarah Silverman for what he, I will. Not anymore. I don't care. He, he wants her name. Yes. And for that, I will drive a stake through his heart. One day, I don't know when, I don't know yeah. how, but just watch your ass, Kimmel, because it's coming. Late night TV, like Saturday Night Live. I don't think they're ever going to cancel Saturday Night Live because now it's become a TV institution. Although, you, when was the last time anything important ever came out of Saturday Night Live? Oh, man, it's been about, about, what, 20, years. about 20 years. I'll tell you, yeah. they, I'll tell you exactly when they're going to cancel Saturday Night Live. When? A year after Lord yeah, Michael died. Yeah, yeah. When Lord Michael dies, yeah. they're going to try to get a new producer, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a failure, and they're just going to let it die. As long as he's alive, there's always... Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. As long as Lord Michaels is still... Drawing breath, there's going to be a sad day. They owe him. That thing is almost as old as we are. 
Man, you know what I remember? I remember watching Saturday Night Live in high school. That's how long it's been. But me and you remember the original cast. Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Gilda Radner. We remember that. Can we name somebody since Tina Fey who has been on Saturday Night Live? Okay, actually I can name one because he was part of Keenan and Kel. Yeah, okay, Kel Thompson. Okay, I can name him, but that's because for something else. That's not because he was on And Canada. Tina Fey's BFF. Amy Poehler? Amy Poehler, yeah. But wasn't she on concurrent with Tina Fey? Yeah, but are yeah. we talking about... We're talking about since. Like, since they Oh, left. since... Oh, okay, since okay. Since Tina Fey stopped being on oh, live yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Duh, I mean, I watch it... And Saturday Life used to be a kingmaker. It used to make stars. Yeah, everybody who was a star of the movies of the 80s and the 90s came out of Saturday Night Live. Right. All of our comedy stars, they came out of Saturday Night Live. Not anymore. Right. Because if you watch Saturday Night Live lately, like I watched it the other night when the guy that does real husbands of Hollywood. I have no idea who Yeah, I know. I watched it. Those of you who talk, Kevin something other. But I watched it the other night, and it just wasn't funny. It hasn't been funny in I don't know how long. It was funny when they did the spoof. um, I I do think that if NBC had balls, it would get rid of Saturday Night Live and use that programming block for something else. Yeah. Not be pernicious about it. Just say Saturday Night Live had its run. We're glad. We're going to give it a dignified send-off. Oh, no one was funny? Recently, they had Justin Timberlake on there. Right. And Justin Timberlake, because he's hosted five times. And they had everybody else. They had Steve Moore. Oh, they had okay. Chevy Chase. They had Alec Baldwin. And they inducted him into the... Five Club. Right, the Five Club. So that was funny. But they yeah. had Buck Henry. No, they didn't have Buck Henry. Because I think he was on five times. I think he was, too. Part. They even made a joke about it. Why is Buck Henry always on? And they made the whole thing about, once in the Korean War, Buck Henry saved Lord's <laughs> life. <laughs> so he's indebted to him. But I agree with you 100%. Give it one whole night from 9 to 11 o'clock. Yeah. Say, anybody who was ever on Saturday Night Live, you want to come back, come back. One night, we do this, thank you. Do one season, this is the final season. Yeah. And just have as many old alumni as Everybody, possible. or anybody. Have Chevy Chase host one week. And right. Eddie Murphy host another week. Make yeah. Make it like, all is forgiven. Come back. Come back What's home. What's your problem? Come, come back, back home. home. Let's make this a year to remember. The best season ever. They'll remember this one for the rest of television history. Yeah, and do it that way. Because I think that Saturday Night Live, in its day, was extremely innovative, it right. was fun, it was edgy, it was dangerous. But those days are past, yeah, let's but face it. As recently as 15 years ago, that torch for edgy sketch comedy show had been passed to things like In Living Color at one time. And you and I were both big fans that snatched that crown from Saturday Night Live, yeah, Mad TV. Mad TV just came and just bum-rushed Saturday Night Live and took their shit and ran with it. Yeah. Remember that ABC tried to do their own version of Saturday Night Live? Fridays. Fridays. Yeah. Michael Richards was on there. Michael Richards was on there. Melanie Charto. Uh, Charto. This is Miss Musso. Haven't done that for a while. Y'all missed me doing that, didn't you? (laughs) We we, we got far afield, although we were kind of connected with this. It's just that... NBC now seems to think that they have to appeal to the lowest common denominator like CBS is doing. Because yeah. CBS's stuff appeals to the lowest common denominator. CBS right is dismal. Except for the bright spots like Person of Interest, interest yeah. and Elementary, which I have not yet, yet seen, folks. But I've seen one pe- episode, and I was actually quite impressed. Yeah, from people whose opinion I trust, they say, yeah, yeah Derek, you got to watch this. You're really missing um, something good. NBC, among other things, has been messing around with a lot of their shows. A show that you like, Up All Night. Oh, they yeah. They have messed so much that one of their stars has left. Right from the start, I said that up all night, the concept should have been, because you had two great comedians. 
you had Christina Applegate, and, and you Rudolph. had Maya Rudolph. And the show, right from the start, because when I watched it, but half the show would be set in the studio, because right. Maya Rudolph was the host of a talk show, and she was very insecure and arrogant. But on screen, everybody thought she was beautiful. It's kind of like Oprah. And Christina Applegate was her producer slash best friend slash right. confidant. And then they would do half the show there, and then they would go to her home life with Will Arnett and right. her new baby. And that's when I would turn the show off, because... That first half of the show, which was a female version of the right. classic Larry Sanders show, that's the show they should have right. done. That's what Up All Night should have been. And you've told me recently that they have done transmogrified it. All they have, out they've explored a number of ideas, including the weird idea. I think I, I'm trying to explain this in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They will reveal that the Up All Night that you've been watching is an actual sitcom. A sitcom. So some episodes will be episodes of the sitcom, and other episodes will mm-hmm. be the actor's from the sitcom. And we see what they're really like. What and they're we, really yeah, like yeah. and having adventures on their own. Yeah. There's what happened with Community, which, as you said, is mm. just not the same. And then you tell me that Christine Applegate just finally said, hell she with this, and she, she just walked. She, she walked. walked. There is what happened with Smash, although Smash is a very interesting case. Now, we're going to pause for a minute because, no, this is one of your favorite shows, and I want you to make I your case this about this. So Tom is going to explain to you now the rise and fall of okay. Smash. When I saw the first episode of Smash, I was in love because... I was explaining this to you. I remember when we first talked about it. It filled a void in me that had been empty since the early 90s when Melrose Place went off the air. I loved Melrose Place. I was unabashed place, man. The thing mm-hmm. I loved about that show was that it was unabashedly stupid. It was dumb. It was silly. But it didn't care. It reveled in its own crappitude. But at the same time, it didn't insult you. It didn't insult, insult you. your intelligence it was because you like, were watching it. Let's all have fun together. Let's all be stupid together. If we exactly. gotta be stupid, let's be stupid together. I found the same sort of level of stupid fun <laughs> as opposed to stupid stupid like with Torchwood and like with the following. Oh god. In Smash, because it was a, a soap opera about the development of a Broadway musical. Deborah Messing and plays a songwriter, <laughs> uh, a playwright, and her, her and her songwriting partner decide they want to make a musical about Marilyn. There are these two actresses who are competing to play Marilyn Monroe. There's mm. this British snooty director. And I just loved it because it was so unrealistic and it was silly and it was stupid. What I did not know was that a lot of people were not embracing it like I the was. The way you did, right. Were watching it because they thought it was so bad they couldn't believe how bad it was. Right. This is a show that for some reason would indulge in a 10 minute Indian Bollywood sequence. But you know what the problem is though? The problem is that Smash and even though I haven't seen an episode of it and I want to catch up on it. Well the first season is available on Netflix. So I'm going to watch it. But I think this is a style of acting and drama. It's melodrama. And people haven't seen it in such a long time they don't recognize it for what it is whereas you've been exposed yeah. to melodrama. You've seen melodrama. I you, saw Melrose Place. I saw right. the original yeah. Beverly Hills. I didn't know what unrealistic soap opera is yeah, like. Exactly. Now what I did not know was that the creator and showrunner of the show had apparently seized the show and taken it away from all the producers and was not listening to anybody's note. Which is why, for example, there was a character called Ellis who was a kind of fae... I thought he was gay, but he had a fiancé. Apparently, the showrunner fell in love with Ellis and kept putting more and more for Ellis to do. Stuff like the Bollywood number, mm-hmm. which I think I posted once on Facebook. Yeah. Which is just so 
amazingly overblown and the weird way they handled because every show had several musical numbers mm -hmm. and it still does and the way sometimes it, you would see they're practicing a new song or then Megan Hilty who's going through a depressive state takes some medication and hallucinates the song and we should point out here folks that the eventual game plan of it was that eventually the Maryland musical that you're seeing them work right. on Smash was actually going this to be a part of the pitch. show yeah, yeah. Well, the, it, that was part of the pitch that had been long abandoned Steven Spielberg first pitched the idea of a soap opera built around the staging of a the musical. The making of a musical about they, Marilyn Monroe. He had expressed the idea that if the show failed, they could put the show on Broadway because the work would be 95% done. I still think that's a great okay. idea. The show, as I pointed out, did very poorly on broadcast, but it was doing great for people who had heard from other people, you can't believe how bad this show is, and they would download all the Hulu episodes mm. or iTunes or elsewhere. So they gave it a second run. However... They got rid of the showrunner. In this case, I think for justifiable reasons, because mm -hmm. she wasn't listening to anybody. I read a link that you'd put yes. up to that long that article. Long the it's history. a long article, but it's worth reading, folks, yeah. if you want to find out what went on behind the scenes of Smash. Because I was reading it, I said, shit, this would make a good TV yeah. show. All of that crap that went on behind this. This should have been 30 Rock. Yeah, that was good. So they brought it back recently. They cut a lot of the characters that the showrunner had created, including Ellis. They brought in as showrunner the creator of Gossip Girl. The show... I don't hate it, mm -hmm. but it's not the same. It's kind of like what you were saying that it's Community Point Five. Yeah, it's yeah. a Smash Point Five, yeah. and there's a lot of interesting things. You don't it. hate it, yeah, but you don't love it. But it's still the show that you love. There but are yet it's not. Yeah, yeah there I, are still moments like, for example, in the opening two-hour episode where the British director who is being sued by various actresses that he slept with in previous productions, goes to a bar and gets drunk and hallucinates all the actresses, and McPhee and Megan Hilty, who are two female leads of the show, mm -hmm. speeding him up to the tune of the Eurythmics, Should I Lie to You? I'd pay a dollar for that. Oh, that I'd pay a dollar. Look, you know how much I adore Catherine McPhee. It's still kind of soapy. They've done some interesting things in that they've kind of split it into three smaller stories. So, Megan Hilty got a job as the star of another Broadway show. We followed her trials and tribulations while the show just self-combusts. We've got the Catherine McPhee character becomes enamored of a little rent-like show that these two bohemian guys living in the loft in Brooklyn are putting together. Mm -hmm. And she tries to help them get the show off the ground. They're doing some interesting things. It's just that a lot of the sense of just goofiness has gone out of it. Yeah, it's serious. Now. Yeah, no, it's, We've got to treat this with serious. And they made a big deal about These the, are people who are yeah. struggling for their yeah. dream. The other thing that's weird is there's this thread where they're bashing the original showrunner. For example, the showrunner kept talking about how, you remember reading in the article how the Deborah Messing character was her Mary Sue character. And so they're making all these cracks about her scars because apparently the Deborah Messing character wore scars because the showrunner wore scars. And there's all these subtle digs about mm. Ellis. And then, oh, let's not forget the whole Jennifer Hudson thing. Oh, they made a big deal about Jennifer Hudson's going to be joining the cast. But they didn't say was, Jennifer Hudson's going to be joining the cast for about two and a half well, episodes. For about two and a half episodes. Well, of course not, because they told you that, you wouldn't tune in in the yeah. first place. And you tune in because you think, oh, well, Jennifer Hudson's going to be there for the whole thing. It's like looking at a yeah. Xerox of something. I will still watch because I will watch Catherine McPhee in anything these days. Because she is the beautiful one elect. She's up there. She is the person who steps in if Kristen Bell, for some reason or another, like if the example I 
used is if Kristen Bell becomes a Nazi, mm-hmm. and I can't fantasize about a Nazi, that Catherine McPhee steps into the role. It's just weird. This is indicative of NBC just kind of messing around with whatever they want to do. Just like and, call up here real yeah. quick. Go ahead. So we can run down the, sh- the programs okay. real quick, and we can just give a thumbnail. Of other shows that they have. Of the shows that they have. Right. And... and what do we think is wrong with them? What do we right. think is right with them? Which one do we follow? Which so before we wrap up this episode, I thought that we would very quickly go through the schedule of shows that are on right. now and upcoming shows, and just give examples of why we think that NBC is going into the toilet and what might survive, yeah. what might not survive. One of the new shows that's coming up that a lot of people have been talking about and we're very interested in, I know you're very interested in, I'm very interested in, is Hannibal. <sighs> Which, again, follows this mania that television programs seem to have to do prequels. Blank of, before he became blank. Right. I want to watch this. The reason why I want to watch this... Well, Matt Mitchelson. Right. The guy who plays Hannibal, for those of you who don't know during this one, is the guy that was the bad guy, Lashif. Lashif, yeah. In Casino Royale. So, what's your take on this? Uh, I don't got a lot of hope for it. Neither do I. I yeah. think it's going to last maybe a season. I don't know if they're going to allow it to get as gruesome as it should get. But even if it does get as gruesome as it should get, isn't it then competing with the following? Because I think that's the main reason people are tuning into the following. Yeah. Yeah. Is because it is really shockingly violent for a broadcast television show. But let me ask you something. Is Hannibal Lecter really a character? Didn't he become really interested in the guy we want to know? It's one that we're seeing yeah. now in movies like Silence and Like. Are we really interested in seeing what he was like before? Well, he look was- at how badly Hannibal Rising did. Yeah. See, you're getting a little ahead of me, but that's good right. too because I said, didn't we already have yes, this story with Hannibal did. Rising and the movie was a total bomb? So why do they think that people want to see it? Why not create a brand new serial killer character instead of going, uh, anyway. Okay, let's go to Ready for Love. Uh, Okay, I can tell that you're going to be a big fan of this one. Fuck this show. Well, it's reality programming. Yeah, well, reality programming, but seriously, this whole thing where the idea is they're going to get like three celebrities, or one of them is that obnoxious ass from the Plain White Tees, the band that did Hey Delilah. Yeah. Which was an okay song until you realize it's a song where he's telling his ex-girlfriend from back his hometown... Well, fuck you. I'm a star. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, fuck this show. Grim. Now, Grim to me is they're supernatural. I watched the first ten weeks of Grim mm-hmm. back when it, it first started. I think it was last year. I think this is. Its I don't. Season. I have never seen an episode of Grim. It is. Yeah. Me. It's a, a lot of. I think borrowed ideas. There's a little bit of Buffy in it. A Buffy supernatural. There's a little bit of supernatural. Yeah. There's a little bit of fables in it. It didn't seem to me to be its own animal. It yeah. took one from column A, column it, it's B, It's like a Frankenstein's monster. And people have told me, because I love Once Upon a Time. I yeah. love that one. People said, oh, well, how can you watch that and not watch Grimm? I said, well, because I like Once Upon a Time. Right. I, I didn't like Once Upon a Time I, either. I, I so. kind of like it. It's okay. Fashion Star? Fuck that show. Okay. However, we should mention there is one reality show because NBC is so desperate that is coming back that got its fourth season, which I am not going to say fuck that show. You know it as well as I do. We're talking about The Sing-Off. One of your favorite shows, I know, and I showed it because of you became one of my favorite shows. Yes. What I would love to see for that 12.30 to 1.30 slot after Jimmy Fallon takes over The Tonight Show, I would love to see Ben Folds and Sean from Boys to Men yeah. doing a show like 
later with Jules Holland. Later with Jules Holland. You've watched. You, yeah, you watched that yeah. Where you had the, the revolving yeah. stage and you had the different acts and he would go and jam with the acts. One of the great moments of television I have mm-hmm. ever thought has been when Ben Foles did You're Not the yeah. Same. I and mean, he, taught the kind of, yeah. and do, he taught the audience how to harmonize. do harmonize, to do acapella. I thought that was one of the greatest TV moments I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's coming back. I'm not even going to mention... American Ninja Warrior? No, no, we're not even going to talk about that. Law and Order SVU. That's one of these shows, I think, just like we said, that Saturday Night Live will be removed about a year after Lauren Michaels dies. Law and Order SVU will be there. As long as Dick Wolf is still alive. Not as long as Dick Wolf is still alive, as long as Marishka Hargitay still wants to do the show. Yeah. That show is being kept on solely by the fact that it's... Because I started watching when it first came on because I'm a big... Because, you know, big Richard Belzer fan. Yeah, well, that's why I started watching. Yeah, I, I love and Richard he, Belzer. he came to that yeah. show from Homicide. I lasted about maybe two and a half years. But I guess I just got tired of being skeeved out by the show. The show has that weird sensibility where they're like, Hey, here's something skeevy that's going on right now. It's based on real th- events. And then it has that hectoring tone about how dare you be interested in this skeevy stuff that we are showing you. I don't know about all that. All I know is that sometimes I would watch and I would go, oh my God, you want to talk about perverse? It does yeah. stuff on it that the following has never even thought of. Although they don't do it with the, the level of violence. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is even more perverse. Well, okay, the, level the difference between Law and Order SVU and the following is that they're both think they're adult shows. Law and Order SVU has the confidence in its adult It is an theme, adult show. It doesn't feel the need to give you the level of violence that the following seems to revel and delight in. Right. Matter of fact, I'm going to put this in a terms. I know okay. you get. Okay. I don't know if anybody else You remember that episode of The X-Files? Yes, One home. of the best home. SVU gives you that every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a show when I don't even say that it should be for anybody under the age of 18. It shouldn't be watched by anybody yeah. under the age of 21, really. What stopped me watching it was I felt like I was being berated for being interested in this. I would just felt like I can't deal with this. I, you were just being yeah, I was just, yeah, Patricia's a big fan of the show. And I was watching it because, for those of you who don't know, Mariska Hargitay is the daughter of one of the icons Jay of Mansfield. Jay Mansfield of the 50s. Oh, Saturday Night Live. We talked about Saturday Night Live. about that. Dateline ABC. I don't watch it. You yeah. don't watch it. We don't have to go. All-Star Celebrity. You're your favorite. I watch it. Yes, you watch I, it. I'm sorry, folks. I even put on Facebook. I said, yes, I watch it. Deal with it. I can't help it. You I, should, I, know, I don't know how you feel about Adam Carolla, but you should go back to listen to the episodes that he recorded during the period where he was on Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, he's a dick. To me, that hasn't made, but it was fascinating how he said, there's no rules to this show. Adam Carolla, he's on the end. I get him. I know Adam Carolla. I've been knowing guys like him ever since I was 10 years old. Right, okay. He's the type of guy, he thinks he's better than everybody. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. He thinks that he should get shit handed to him just because he's here. He has no talent. He has no looks. He has no humor. He has nothing. He's a sucking black hole of suck. I respect your right to believe that. Thank you, sir. Now, what do you think about it? Well, I actually listened to his podcast. I do not agree with you on that. I think, if anything, 
he overcompensates because he had such a terrible childhood. Really? He, he has a podcast? He has a okay. daily podcast. No, what happened was he got so frustrated by dealing with Hollywood and dealing with the radio that he decided to start his own podcast network. Okay. He and that's how he makes his money right now. He went full Kevin Smith. Yeah. He markets products through there and that's how he makes his money. Based upon your recommendation, because I trust you, I'm yeah. going to listen to his podcast now, and give I'm another I'm not tip. going to say that I agree with everything he says. Some mm. of the stuff he says is really kind of reprehensible. But I was about to say, you should seek out the stuff from last year when he was on Celebrity Apprentice. Okay. Where he talks about his experiences being on the show, and one of the things that he really kind of emphasizes is that there really is no structure to that show. That show is totally... I like it because it is what reality TV is supposed to be like. Kind of like Surreal House. Yeah. Now, I love Surreal House because it actually told me things about the actors I never even knew. Like, the Flavor Flav. Who knew he was a classically trained pianist? And they had that wonderful, wonderful episode in the Surreal Life. Those of you who know what I'm talking about. Where there was a girl, all she knew how to do was play the accordion, and she didn't think it was cool. And he taught her how to play it so that it was cool. That endeared me to Flavor Flav. Anybody that can extend themselves like that to a child. Now, I, obviously, I don't have cable. The Surreal House only was on for like the first three years on. Right. The last of the WB seasons, which had... What fascinated me was the friendship that grew up between Tammy Faye Baker and Ron Jeremy. That's why I like the Surreal House, because you couldn't make this stuff up. The fact that Ron Jeremy took her to a drag bar yeah. and Tammy Faye Baker got up and said I love you all and I love this man you can't make the flavor flavor Brigitte Nielsen yes. fell in love me and my wife were watching it and she said you think that's I said yes it is she said well how do you know I said there's not a writer on the planet yes, smart enough to that. make that up that's why. Yeah. And then we had the thing where Jane Wheedland put what's the name in her place to talk about, well, I don't want to be in a house full of has been. That was the one with China. Right. That was yeah. the China oh, season. Oh my God. That was bizarre. But yeah, but Celebrity Apprentice, it's got that same quality because the first season that Latoya Jackson was right. on there, I found out one thing I never knew before. Latoya Jackson is very smart, but she's got that voice and she yeah. looks like a brother. But it's masking a real brain behind there. I'm looking at it and I think it's sad of what she's done to herself right. to mask her intelligence when she could have got by just on that. Because just from what I saw her on the Celebrity Apprentice, mm-hmm. she's probably the smartest Jackson out of the bunch. Right. And then Gary Busey. Who knew? Gary Busey was that bad shit insane. I knew. I knew a while the, ago. But the man is honestly certifiable. He should not be allowed out in public. Right. At the same time, he's a wonderful human being. Yeah. So that's why I love the celebrity. You just watch it and it just keeps upping the crazy every week. The voice. Um, not for me. Yeah, not for me either. I respect it for what it is. Not for me. I'm almost tempted because Shakira's replaced Christina Aguilera. Yeah. And I like me some Shakira. The only, She's so wee. I've never been a fan of these singing competition yeah. shows. I really haven't been well, a fan. Uh, the only ones that we like, like is the Sing Off, and we used to watch American, American Idol Edition. Jeopardy Edition. That's it. But well, once Simon left, I was yeah, not well, interested anymore. Yeah, once Simon left. Cause Simon I, I was, got through about at the first hour of the first season after Simon left, the one with Steven Tyler and J-Lo. And I said, that's it. Yeah. Simon was my boy. Yeah. I mean, he was the only one to me that took it seriously. All the people who would say, oh, Simon's so mean. They didn't get what Simon was doing. Yeah, they didn't Simon get it. Simon was doing these people a favor. They didn't get it, He was actually yeah. 
telling them what they were going to have to encounter in the real world. And he actually told people that. He said, if you can't take what I'm telling yeah. you here, you're not going to take it when a record executive shows you the door right. and he tells you to get out there. And he tears up your contract and pisses on Right. Him. And I appreciated that about Simon Cowell. People said, oh, he's so mean. Now, he wasn't mean. He was trying to prepare them for what they right. were going to be. He said, if you think this is mean, you need to leave right now. Yeah. Last call with Carson Daly? Oh, God. Poor Carson Daly. <laughs> Let's put it this way. He's never going to get a shot at the Tonight Show. <laughs> Somebody once said, this is during the time when Jay wanted to go from 11.30 to 12.05. Then the Tonight Show would go on from 12.05 to 1.30. Mm-hmm. And then Craig Ferguson would go from 1.30 to 2.30. And I think it was David Letterman who said, you know... If you've got a show on at 2.30, probably about the same as not having a show at all. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Carson did. And the thing is, he took over for Bob Costas. i got to admit, I love the Bob Costas show. Yeah. It was one guest for a half an hour, and Bob Costas, no matter what you think of him, I know a lot of people think he's creepy, a lot of people think no, he's No, he's a great interviewer. Uh, he is a, yeah. And he is responsible for single-handedly bringing down the XFL. Yeah, when it comes to sports, I can take them and leave them. But on a one-on-one interview, Bob Costas kicks ass. Okay, More so. voice Tuesday. Go on, or as you like to call it, goo. <laughs> goo, right? Goo, that show with that guy you used to like on Friends. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I like Go On. The only problem I have with Go On is that I think it has too large of a supporting cast. Because we Does had, it, you got what, John Cho is on it? and Well, you have one supporting cast... That is at the workplace of the main character played by Matthew Perry. And he's got his dealing with his wife mm-hmm. that has died unexpectedly. So he goes to, to a therapist. Well, it's a group okay. that deals with grief. So now you have those supporting characters, and that's eight of them. Right. And then there's this job, and there's four or five, including Terrell Owens, who's playing his tech. You've got Terrell Owens? You'd have to watch the show. But it's too many supporting characters. Now... I noticed that this season, they've been working on integrating the two so it makes a cohesive whole. I like the show myself. I love Matthew Perry. Right. I think he's funny. I like watching him. Many times, he was the best thing about Friends. And I think that if we do get a new Kolchak, the Night Stalker, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Matthew Perry. Can things get any more weird? Yeah, yeah. No, think about it. Matthew Perry would be the perfect Kolchak for today. The new normal. Uh, oh, otherwise known as stereotypes are us? Compared to like, the gay couple in New Normal to the gay couple in Modern Family. I was just about to bring that up. It seems to me a blatant attempt by NBC to spin off an unofficial spin off of right. the couple from Modern, your Family. Modern Family. It's the exact same characters. Right. If you've ever seen the New Normal, I don't know. Uh, I've saying. seen bits and pieces of it enough to know that I don't want to watch it. The funniest character that's in that show is the little girl. They have a little girl that's on there. Right. She does that pressure. She did one of Edie Beale. From Great Gardens, right. that they should have gave her the Academy Award. <laughs> I think that their main drawing power that they put because Nene Leakes from The Real Housewives, she plays a supporting character on there. But otherwise, this show is absolutely dismal. Yeah, to me, from what little I've seen of it, it seems to be playing up to every stereotype. Yeah, here's the fake gay guy. Here's the non-fake gay guy. Here's the racist grandma. Her and the little girl are the best things in the mm-hmm. show. If you like the gay couple in Modern Family, continue to watch Modern right. Family. Don't watch this show. MASH, we've already, we've already talked, talked about. about. No matter how bad it gets, I will continue to watch it because it is McPhee. The Tonight Show, we've talked yeah. about that. Late Night. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, who's yeah. going to become the Tonight Show host. Right, Whitney, we've talked about, about that. that. 
Chicago Fire. I have never watched that. I've never watched it. I'm not, not interested. interested. If I want to watch a drama about firemen, I'll go watch the Ron Howard movie. What or I'll watch. I'll go watch Backdraft. Rescue Me. Yeah, I'll go watch Rescue Me, or I'll watch right. Backdraft. There's no reason for me to watch this show. Community Light. Community Light. Yeah, that's the one. 1600 pen. Oh, horrible. Oh, horrible. Oh, horrible. I just felt the pain. Horrible does not begin. Calling this show unfunny is dignifying it. I it's love being it. an insult to unfunny things. I watched three episodes of this show. And such a waste of actors. And then I watched Bill Pullman in The Serpent in the Rainbow yeah. the other day. And I said to myself, Bill, what happened to you, man? First, that awful turn on Torchwood Miracle Day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly I, what I thought of. I feel sorry for Jenna Elfman. And I don't feel sorry yeah, for Jenna Elfman. Jenna Elfman, yeah. I feel sorry for her. Oh. Bill Pullman. This is the guy who gave the speech at Independence Day that rallied that entire yeah. world. And this is what you become reduced to, Bill? Oh, my God. This thing is... Do you need work that bad? Damn, Bill, I'll give you a job. But you'll notice that they're double dipping on Thursday night. So it gives me the impression that they're, they're just trying yeah. to get rid of the... Sh- the yeah, uh, yeah exactly. They're burning off episodes. Because yeah. even they realize, nah, this is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Please, Bill Pullman, come back home, baby. Oh, God. 1600... 1600- oh, no. The Office. The Office, which is going away. Yeah, this is the last season. With your girl... Catherine Tate. I never was a fan of The Office. The mm-hmm. only thing about The Office that I think that came out of it was good. Uh, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling, yeah. We like Mindy Kaling. We like Mindy Kaling a lot. And I love that show. And I'm- But I'm wondering, and see, this is another thing that makes me think, did she know what was going on? Which I'm pretty sure right. she did. Because well, she, took, yeah. she took the Mindy Project well, to Fox. The Mindy Project was developed for NBC. Yeah, because she's been there. Yeah. The Office is from and the I beginning. I love the fact, I've said this before, and the same thing goes with Megan Hilty on Smash. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that these are shows which have women who are full-figured and are treated as sexually desirable. I had no idea, and I've seen The Office, but I just never really paid attention to Mindy Kaling until I saw The Mindy Project, and I said, whoa! But then if you look at her on The Office, her sexuality is not emphasized. As a matter of fact, she's supposed to be kind of dowdy and quiet. I'm glad that she has a show that emphasizes that she's a hell of a good-looking woman. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, but The Office... And you know this, the only episodes I watched were I watched maybe like six episodes last Mm -hmm. year because James Spader was on, and I couldn't get into it. And he got out of Dodge. My problem with the show was it was impenetrable to me. I had no idea what the hell was going on with these characters. And there were a couple where I was, you should be in an insane asylum. The big fat guy. The character played by... Dwight Schrute, do you think? No. Oh, Steve Steve Carell. The character played by him. That man is a dangerous psychotic. Who should be locked up someplace? And I was watching. You actually this, say you prefer the Ed Helms character because at least he's a per- he's got something. No, the Stephen Carell character, him and Dwight Schrute, those guys, I could easily see them as going out at night and being yeah. serial killers. That's how far removed from humanity they were. And the girl that played the receptionist, she's the most psychotic of them all because right. she recognizes their behavior. John Krasinski is the only normal character on that show. But he's surrounded by psychotics belong in the same and, and there, was, there was some novelty at the first two or three episodes I watched of watching the James Spader character treating them like rats in a maze. The funniest episode he did? Well, that was the, the first one. where he Yeah, we the made the two... <laughs> but he didn't tell what it was for. Well, what's this list for? Well, what do you think it's for? Well, what's this list? What is it? And they were going crazy. Right. 
Now that was funny. The episode where you had Anthony Anderson and a bunch of the other guys for some reason came down and decided they had like a mock band that they were playing in the warehouse. Yeah. And James Fair said, well, we're going to end this and brought his real musician friends in to jam. The show would make more sense if at the end they did the last season and then we would have realized this was an insane asylum and James yeah. Spader was the head of it. Right. And this was an experiment that he was playing. The show would have made more sense in that context mm-hmm. because these were people have no business interacting with normal human beings. Right. And I mean that in a bad... Because... There are some comedies with misanthropic characters that I have enjoyed. Not this one. These are dangerous people who do dangerous things and think that it... I don't know. People talk about that often so hilarious to me. To me, it's frightening. It's a horror show to watch it. So let's see. Um, Friday, we... we, Fashion Star, I think we talked about in three words. That's it. And that's it. Believe it or not, folks, that's the NBC lineup. lineup. SVU is on there four times, Four times. There's an SVU on Saturday. There's one on Thursday. You've got 1600 Penn on twice. Law and Order is on Saturday. Saturday Saturday Live is on twice Twice. Saturday. They do the reruns at 10 o'clock of the previous episode. Then they have the live one. Sunday is reality programming. Yeah. Monday... Reality Revolution is their only drama. Yeah, I guess when the voice season is over, yeah. that's when we get the sing-off. Tuesday night is the only one. We've got Go On, New Normal, Smash. Right. Wednesday, Two Whit- episodes of Whitney. Whitney. Again, Lord on Order. FBU, a drama, Chicago Fire. Two Thursday. episodes of 1600 Pen. Right. Another SVU. Yeah, th- that's three. And then on Friday, we have another reality show. In Gr- well, we have two reality shows. shows. Fashion Star and, and Rock, Rock Center. Center. And one drama. So when you look at the schedule like this... Now, is there anything other than Hannibal that is dramatic that they're trying? Is there a a place where we can look at uh, upcoming shows? Well, I'm looking at schedule. Upcoming shows. America's Got Talent. Oh, there it says more. (laughs) Let's see what it says under more. Let's see what it It says. It says nothing. I'm clicking on it. Okay. We got nothing. Oh, wait. Here it comes. (laughs) Bear with us, guys. Oh, Lord. Upcoming shows. God, ready for... Fuck that show! And half of these shows that they have... Okay, that says new shows. shows. Well, let's scroll scroll down. Let's Okay, Hannibal we talked about. What's Crossbones? It's 1715 on the Bahamian island of New Providence, the first functioning democracy in the Americas, with the diabolical pirate Edward Teach, a.k.a. Blackbeard, reigns over a rogue nation of thieves, outlaws, and miscreant sailors, part shantytown, part marauder's paradise. This is a place like no other on earth and a mounting threat to international commerce. To gain control of this fearsome society, Tom Lowe, a highly skilled undercover assassin, is sent to the Buccaneers' haven. So it's Assassin's down. Creed the series! Yeah, yeah. Pretty much is what it's yeah, saying. Let me finish. But the closer Lowe gets, the more he finds that his quest is not so simple. Lowe can't help but admire the political ideals of Blackbeard, whose thirst for knowledge knows no bounds and no law. But Lowe is not the only danger to Blackbeard's rule. He is a man with many villainous rivals and one great weakness, a passionately driven woman who he cannot deny. From the award-winning creative Luther, Neil Cross, and award-winning producers Walter Parks and Laurie McDonald comes an extraordinary action-adventure with an unexpected moral center where one can't be sure whether the pirates or the British clown are the okay, villains. The only thing that makes me not laugh at that is yeah. the fact that the guy who created it created Luther. Luther, yeah. Yeah, now you got to back up and go, 
Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Oh, that, okay. There might be something yeah. going on there. Okay. Let's see what Dracula says. Let's go. Whoa. I'm wondering if Dracula is what used to be called Penny Dreadful. Here we go. Let me get into my. Okay. Now. The father of all vampires rises in this provocative new drama starring Golden Globe winner Jonathan Rhys Myers from the Tudors as one of the world's most iconic characters. It's the late 19th century. Are you sensing a pattern here? And the mysterious Dracula has arrived in London, posing as an American entrepreneur. Why? Who wants to bring modern science to Victorian society. He's a spent... Stop laughing while reading. He's especially interested in the new technology of electricity, which promises to brighten the night. Hello, Queen Victoria. I brought you a light bulb. Useful for someone... Stop! Useful for someone who avoids the sun. But he has another reason for his travels. He hopes to take revenge on those who crossed him centuries earlier. Everything seems to be going according to plan until he becomes infatuated with a woman who appears to be a reincarnation of his dead wife. From the producers of the critically acclaimed Emmy Award winning hit Downton Abbey comes Dracula, a twisted, sophisticated, and provocative take on Bram Stoker's classic novel, proving that some stories are truly eternal. Now, wait a minute. Now, hold on. You don't watch Downton Abbey. No, I don't. Okay, I've seen it. And, like, when we stopped okay. laughing when we heard the guy yes. from Luther. Okay, now, if I'm hearing the guys that did Downton Abbey, okay, I'm okay. going to stop laughing. I'm going to say, okay, this could turn out to be. Okay. But, yeah, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am I, an American. I also speak French. And I brought you a light bulb. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of... Okay, save me. Save me. Which right now is NBC's motto, folks. Anne Heche. Okay, that's all we know. Anne Heche. Let me guess, it's Highway to Heaven. That's what I'm guessing about the show. Welcome to the Midwestern suburbs, where exciting things never happen. Well, almost never. After a near-death experience, Beth is revived only to realize she now has a direct line to God. Of course, her husband Tom is skeptical and dismissive, and his mistress is all but hostile that her lover's wife is now a prophet. But when inexplicable things begin to happen, everyone's beliefs are tested. Beth starts to say and do things that shock her family and entrance her friends, but she isn't going to be your typical fire and brimstone prophet. Let's just say that if God had a desperate housewife as his mouthpiece, Beth would be it. She is the absolute last person on earth who would be chosen. Then again, they say he works in a mysterious ways. And this one is a real mystery. The real mystery is how this got on the schedule in the first place. Oh my god. Folks, there you have some of the upcoming shows that NBC is... Is, is betting its bank on. Is betting that because you're of going course, to watch. We all wanted to see more Anne Heche. Yes. Believe me, I did nothing but sit around... All day long, say, damn, when is somebody going to give Anne Hayes a new TV show? Yeah. I, I, I almost want to watch the first episode of Dracula just to see if I brought a light bulb. Oh, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching that. And there's no doubt about that. Yeah, but that's what NBC is working with, folks. So, to sum up, because this is starting to run a little bit, what, uh, what's your opinion? I think the problem is NBC lost its own identity. By chasing other people's identity. They wanted to be CBS, so they tried to do lowest common denominator stuff and be CBS. Now, what's happened, nobody wants to watch their shows. Maybe they need to go hit rock bottom to start getting the gumption again to do what they used to do well, which is really strange, really sophisticated work that people liked. Do you think, and see, this is 
the theory that I have about mm -hmm. a lot of what goes on TV now. In desperation, they're just throwing anything they can up against the wall just to see what sticks because they're saying, we don't know what... They're works. dinosaurs. This is the problem with broadcast networks is because at this point, most eyes are now watching cable television. People don't get passionate about broadcast TV shows anymore. They get passionate about Spartacus and Rome and True Blood and okay. Mad Men and Walking Dead. But wait a minute. you got to remember something, too. A lot of these programs and shows that were taken to the networks, and they said, we don't, yeah, we don't want them, do no. Like The Sopranos. The Sopranos right. were taking to NBC yes. first. Mm -hmm. And NBC said, no, we don't want to do this. They said it's a famous one. They said, nobody's going to want to watch this. Yeah. Do you think that it's a lack of innovative thinking on mm -hmm. the parts of the suits that are running NBC that can't recognize? Because to me, I don't know. If you pass up a Sopranos for a Whitney, to me, you shouldn't have your job. Yeah, I don't know. Even though we were laughing at some of these mm -hmm. new shows they've got. I don't know who Hannibal's producer is, but the thing is is that they're reaching out to people who seem to know what they're doing. Now, granted, I think that what NBC is thinking is, well, people like pirates. It's a show about pirates. Yeah, well, yeah they said, well, look at people pirates, like pirates of the crew. And you know yeah. one thing that I noticed, too, about these? These are not a really original. Yeah. I mean, like Dracula. Character in public Except for the man. part about, I'm an American businessman. Here, have a light bulb. Here, have a light bulb. <laughs> but people aren't bringing original characters. I was so pained to see Bela Lugosi come into a character. I want to do a set and go, hello, I am an American businessman. Have a light bulb. And so, folks, we have created <laughs> another running gag. That Tom is Does no he put it in his mouth? That is like, no like doubt. We, we have another running gag that Tom is going to milk for all it's worth. Trust me on this. <laughs> like Uncle Fester, he put the light bulb in his mouth. So I would watch. Watch. <laughs> well, well, I don't understand, Tom Dracula. What is this you have brought to us? Watch. <laughs> and he puts it in his mouth. It's a light bulb. What is that? It's a light, light bulb. bulb. Oh my god. Yeah, because that's just the thing a vampire wants. Something to bring more light like, to the exactly. world. Exactly. It's just a dark bulb. See, anytime something like this happens, I always get a mental picture of that part of that Simpsons episode where Homer is going from right. one alternate world to the other, and Maggie yes. takes the pacifier out and says to James Earl Jones, this, this is, is a dark, dark and strange universe. universe. Yeah, because this is what this is. Now. But maybe this dark times is what NBC needed to, to get its footing back mm -hmm. and go reclaim its identity. And find a new place in this world. But at least ABC has managed to hit on a formula, whereas they've taken elements from daytime soap yeah. operas and put it into nighttimes, like with Desperate Housewives and with Scandal and with Deception and Revenge. And all they are, what are they? They're just soap, soap operas. operas. Yeah. For every Desperate Housewives and Revenge and Scandal, you have the Zero Hour. Yeah, and you see they got rid of that real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And as our friend Alyssa likes to refer to it as the clockening. <laughs> no, well, you know what I still think that ABC really is doing? I still think that they're chasing that we got to find us another loss. Right. I really believe that they're still doing it. funny, the only network that's not chasing after another loss, because they don't realize that what worked back then isn't going to work now, especially since most viewers have migrated to cable television But even for their... But even Lost wasn't Lost yeah. until it got to like the, the fourth season when people really started paying attention to it. Right. For the first three seasons, people was ignoring Lost. Even Lost wasn't Lost when it started. 
But I still think that they still chasing that. Well, we got to come up with another loss. We have another one. You can't do it. It's just something that happens. Or get the viewing public decides what the next right. loss is. You don't decide. You don't that. decide it. Exactly. Yeah. The people that watch the network does. And really, actually, the one thing that I think that they probably come the closest to since then is this show Scandal. Because the, I think we can safe to agree that most people who watch broadcast television are older people. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if one of the networks decided to go back to the old meme. But again, the done in one storyline. That's why I think that ABC, that's why Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives. Right. Right? These are all shows that are nothing more than. But the thing is, that's part of ABC's identity now. Right. So ABC's, they, they're nothing more than soap opera and they've transplanted. ABC's this, identity yeah. is we do this kind of soapy stuff for adults. Yeah, right. We do fairly unique comedies built around star power. And. We do dopey reality shows like right. The Bachelor and Dancing with the Stars. Or Wipeout. CBS has a very, very solid identity. Mm-hmm. We do shows that are very snarky towards the two coasts. Mm-hmm. We do kind of pulpy, gruesome dramas, mm-hmm. i.e. CSI and such. And we do Survivor and we do The Amazing Race. We do these picturesque right. reality shows. NBC right now has yeah, no identity. Yeah, has no identity though. Yeah, it doesn't right. know what it is right now. You're right, yeah. Because we just went through the list. Yeah. And half them shows on there, I couldn't tell you why they still want. As much as we laughed about the fact that they were forced Law & Order shows mm. on NBC, at least that gave NBC an identity. Yeah. It gave them a feel and a look. There's a feel and a look to a CBS show and to an ABC show. And actually, when we went through the list... I was really surprised to see that SUV is the only one that they've yeah. got on, and that's on four nights a week. All the other oh, Law and Orders yeah. right now is because there's Law and Order London, Law and Order Moscow, Law and Order mm-hmm. Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Although it's weird, instead of allowing the people who are producing Law and Order London mm-hmm. to do stories that are taken from London headlines, mm-hmm. they have to adapt uh, the American yeah. Law and Order yeah. scripts. And I actually watched one of because, of course, they had yeah, Prima uh, Ajima is uh, right. Yeah, she was on there. And, and I said, I know I've never seen this before. Wait a minute, I've seen this before yes. on the original one. Right. And, then, and then it occurred to me, and I went on the internet and I looked, and I said, yeah, that was a script that was adapted from the original right. one on the show. Now, so. you notice that of the three shows that we just previewed, so to speak, two of them were created and or produced by British Producers, mm-hmm. the guy who created Luther and, and the Downton Abbey people. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is where NBC's new identity lies in calling up different foreign people. Like, what do you got? It seems to me they don't know what the American public wants to watch. And let's face it, I don't care what anybody tells you. They cannot predict what the American public wants because God bless them. And I'm talking about you guys out there. Ninety percent of the American public doesn't know what they want until they see it. That's right. the problem. Yeah, I kind of like that. I want to see yeah. more of it. But you can't say beforehand. Yeah, I know this is going to be. Yeah, I know people are going to like this. They're going to be... How many TV shows and movies have we seen where we said, oh, well, that's going to be... Nobody went to see right. it. Because it's something you can't predict. But however, you can't hedge your bets by going to people like... The guy who did Deadwood, for instance. Right. Soon as Deadwood was over with, if I had been the head of NBC, I'd have called him up. Could you come do a Western for yeah. me? What do you want to do next? Because obviously, this guy did something that worked. Right. But I don't know if it's ego or whatever, or people just don't want to give credit to anybody else they want to come up. Or it could be just as simple as finance. Because we've seen the rise of the reality show. Why? Because Because they watch them, and they're cheap, and they bring a good rating. Right. You and me could become TV executive tomorrow with the reality show we come up with. Let's start a Kickstarter about that. I'm willing to do so. Do a Kickstarter. We want to start our own television network. So, to sum up, Tom, 
NBC, what NBC, are their chances? they got to find their identity. That's what it comes down to. they got to find what they are now in the aught-teens. They've got to do that, because if they don't, they are going to die. To me, it's a good sign that they brought back the single. The single. Right. Yeah, because at least somebody there recognizes quality when they see mm-hmm. it. So, so, until next time, this has been your autopsy. And there's parts of this sucker strewn all over the place, yeah. on the walls, on the ceilings. We just cut this up. That'll <laughs> be something terrible. Yeah, there's all these extra episodes of Whitney now lying around. Oh, well, I'm going to get to those in a little while. Uh, yeah, I know why you're getting to those. I got a new, no, I got no, get your mind out the gutter. I got a new hatchet for them. Okay. <laughs> and until the next time, I've been Derek Ferguson. And I've been Tom DJ. Whatever you do, no matter where you go, don't, don't watch any friends. Don't let friends watch 1600 Pen. Friends, don't let friends watch NBC. Yes. <laughs> Good night. Good night. God bless. So you want to let us know how much you like Better in the Dark, huh? And you do like us, right? Here's what you do. Email us at betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. You can join the Better in the Dark Facebook page by searching for Better in the Dark on Facebook and asking to join. You can follow both Derek and myself and our individual Facebook pages to learn all about the facts to need to know about the both of us. And you can read the Ferguson Theater and Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes if you you want more filmic musings. You know what else will prove you love us? Send us money. <laughs> Send checks, money order, filthy lucre, or cash. We accept cash. Bucks. To Myrtle Sporting Goods. Shekels. Care of Thomas DJ. Dollars. 5716 Myrtle Avenue. Ridgewood, New York. 11385. The Blooms. Make all checks payable to Derek Ferguson and make all money orders payable to Thomas DJ. Cash. It comes in green. It goes with everything. Or you can contribute by the PayPal link we have at betterinthedarksite.com. The PayPal link is... You have one click, and then you're done, and you can give us money there. There you go. If you send us a contribution, you'll be named a producer on an upcoming episode. And the best part of it, no minimum whatsoever. No minimum, no maximum. Send whatever you like. So come on, stand up, get involved, be counted, share your love, and don't forget to go go watch that movie. So is Crystal upset that your best friend slash new boss is postponing your honeymoon? No, I, I think it's okay. I think he just really... Great was... news. Arby's takes credit cards. Aunt Barb's going to park there, but she wants to know, does anybody want anything? Yeah, I don't think anybody wants anything. Big beef and cheddar, side of curly fries, and extra horse fries. Oh, can I get a side of roast beef in an itty-bitty cup? You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Alyssa, Deeps, and Derek of the Big Red Podcast, Patrick of Screen Queens, the Hollywood Prospectus crew, Eric Frome, and the members of the Better in the Dark Facebook page. Better in the Dark was going to reveal that it was a sitcom and begin showing its real-life adventures, except that no one believed it. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even tune into The Tonight Show, or visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.behyphen.com. We're going to have them on Thursday night. That's right. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. 
All material copyright, Thomas E. Jan, Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that when vampires want to take over the world, nothing ingratiates them with Victorians better than light bulbs. Some boys are singing, some boys are singing the blues. Joylessly flinging with the girls that they're bringing to their rooms. God forbid we become friendly. I don't find you that interesting. You will.